Today I'm going to talk about how you can love Jesus. How do we love Jesus? Well, one of the ways we do it is by conforming our life to His and thinking as He thought. Let this mind be in you, the Apostle said, that was also in Christ Jesus. So we're going to be talking about a way of thinking today. And it's vitally important. Every person in the room, no matter how long you've been in Christ or how short a time, this is a practical way to apply the love of Christ to your life. And it makes great uh, changes. It makes a great difference to live as the Apostle Peter instructs us to think like he instructs us to think. So we have three uh, Sundays, counting today, left in Second Peter. Everything we need is found in the Christ who loves us. I am reading from Second Peter 3, beginning with verse 1, as we take a look at Peter. And here he mentions that this is his second letter. So it's an interesting uh, paragraph here that begins the chapter. He says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So, wholesome thinking, he says. Stephen Covey wrote a famous book, Seven Habits of Very Effective People. And he says, as he teaches in that book, that there are principles that govern human behavior that are just as surely laws as the law of gravity. He said, you can look in nature and see these natural laws and realize that in your own personality and relationships, there are laws that apply. And if you follow these laws, why, you flourish. And if you break them, you wither. We have three trees that look sick to me that are on this property. They're right outside the front door. I invite you when you go outside the front door to just look. To your left, you'll see trees that are almost as tall as the lights in the parking lot. They've been growing there for 13 years, ever since we planted the landscaping on this property. And they're doing grand. And then you look to your right, and you'll see three trees that are beginning to go brown. It's the third time we've planted those trees. They keep dying on us. I haven't verified this with any botanist or anything, but I think the soil's bad. One thing for sure we know, a plant thrives or withers based on the soil it's in, right? 
So Peter is saying there's some soil you can get your roots down into that will help you flourish in your walk with God and as a human being. And there's soil you can get your roots down into that will wither you up. And it's just as surely a law as the law of gravity or the law of soil in regard to these trees out here. So he writes this second letter to them, and he says both of these letters are reminders. They already know this stuff. You already know this stuff, right? You've heard it before. Today I'm reminding you because maybe you've forgotten. Maybe it got a little distant in your mind that you reap what you sow, and the soil makes a difference. And what you're sucking up into your life through that root system mentally is changing who you are, your disposition, your attitudes, and even changing your relationships. So it's a reminder, Peter says, and I want to stimulate you. I want to stir you up. I don't know what you're stirred up about this morning. People get stirred up about all kinds of things. It's an election year, so there's lots of stirring going on there. And Peter says, I want to stir up something in you. I want to stimulate something in you. I want to stimulate wholesome thinking. You say, well, where does this come from, this wholesome thinking? I mean, how, how do I get there? It's already present. The Word has come. And that's what the apostle starts with. He says, I want to remind you of the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets. The words already come. And he's referring to the Hebrew Scriptures, the 39 books that the Jewish people read from uh, daily and every week in the synagogue. These are the books that Jesus quoted and the apostles quote in the New Testament. These are the holy prophets. And I think he's referring to the whole revealed word of God in the writings and, and the history and the prophetic literature of the Old Covenant. These 39 books you hold in your hand if you have a Bible. That Bible in front of you, it's got those 39 books, the Hebrew Bible uh, of that day. And Peter's saying to them, look, you can put your roots down in that book. You can read the holy prophets. You can hear their words. I'm looking forward to preaching from the third chapter of Proverbs during the month of September. I love the third chapter. One of the most famous verses in that chapter is, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's verse 5. And verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. I tell you, there's not better advice anywhere. That's a word from the holy prophets. Peter's saying to the people, maybe you've forgotten this. Maybe you're putting a bunch of trash in your brain, through your eyes, through your ears what you're reading, what you're seeing, what you're listening to. Maybe you're filling your mind and your heart with trash, and you think it doesn't make a difference, but it's just like putting roots down in poison soil. And you are going to reap the result of bringing that into your life. We teach the children, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. The Father of above is looking down in love. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little feet. Where you, Why do we do that? Because it's fundamental. It's a law. It's a law like gravity. If you get in the garbage every day and you bring that garbage into your life, garbage in, garbage out, it affects your mind, it affects how you talk, it affects your vocabulary, it affects how you see other people. We have a terrible scourge of pornography in this day. 
And some people think pornography doesn't hurt you. But you know what pornography does? It objectifies people. So you treat them as things. And it reduces sex to just biology. It takes personality and love out of the relationship of sex. It actually destroys our sense of the wholeness of the gift God has given us in our sexuality. We can't see that and hear that and experience that day after day and not anticipate that it will change the way we think about our wife and the women around us or the men around us. It is profoundly affecting how we see one another and how we treat one another. Put your roots down in the holy prophets. Draw some good stuff into your mind and into your heart. I want to stir up in you, Peter says, some wholesome thinking. Some thinking that can stand the bright sunlight of God's sun. So that when we look at your thinking, we see that it's pure. That your process, your mental process, has been purified by the word of God. And you're not tolerating the poisons that wither up the soul, the mind, and the spirit, and relationships in your life. Wholesome thinking, he says. Go to the holy prophets, he says. There's two places you can find a place for this, this wholesome thinking. The holy prophets, and he also says, and the command of our Lord and Savior through your apostles. And he, he says, your apostles. So there's two places. It's the Old Testament and the New Testament, which, of course, Peter is in the process of writing one of the books as he writes this comment. He's actually writing inspired scripture as he says, remember the command that is brought to you from our Lord Jesus through your apostles. And he's saying to you, I'm one of your apostles. Well, the first readers understood that. And we who are reading it now, generations later, ought to understand that too. Peter's one of our apostles. He's your apostle. And he's there to help you get your roots down into the truth. So the apostles highlighted the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and unpacked the truth about that and wrote to the church about how they should behave and what kind of actions they should take and how they should care for one another and how they should relate to the world. And you need to have your roots in that. You need to be feeding your soul from that. That develops wholesome thinking in you. That purifies your mind and your heart. And it makes a big difference. If you want to be like these trees over here that are as tall as the lights and green and they've been healthy ever since the day we planted them, then you put your roots into God's Word, the holy prophets and the apostles. You read the Old and New Testament scriptures. They're inspired of God and they're there for you. And they will help you in your learning and living. It will benefit you. It will prosper you. To put your roots into this. Or you can put your roots into the garbage that is every day out there and now ever present in our phones and iPads and computers and everywhere we turn in this world. We can put our roots down into the garbage and guess what? You'll be like one of these trees over here on the right side. With the leaves turning brown, stunted, and not healthy at all. And you're going to say, what's happened to me? Garbage in, garbage out, brother. Just remember. You feed your soul on the garbage from this world and it's going to produce garbage in your life and in your relationships. It's as simple as that. Already knew that, you say, okay, I'm reminded. Peter's reminding you. He wants to stir you up. He wants to get you stimulated. He wants you to think about it again now. 
about that mind because what happens between your ears is the most important activity going on. What happens right up here between your ears? And if your mind is dominated by fear or by lust or by pride and arrogance, it affects everything about you. So what's going on between your ears? You say, well, I can't help it. Yes, you can. God saved you to walk in the way of Christ, and there is a way for you to purify that thinking that goes on in your mind so you behave differently and respond differently to your spouse, your children, your neighbors, and at work. God's in the business of changing you and making you into the image of Christ. If you'll let him, there's a process going on in you ever since you said, yes, Jesus, I believe in you, and you want to cooperate with God, don't you? And what God's seeking to do in you, he's not trying to make you one of these dead trees. He's trying to make you this living tree that's healthy and strong. That's who God wants you to be. Receive this, all right? Receive this as truth. In a way, there's, there's two ways here. Jesus said there's a way to destruction, and it's broad, and lots of people go there. And you know what he's talking about. Everybody does. The destruction of love and joy and peace and family. It's all there. And Jesus says there's a narrow way that leads to life, and few there be that find it, but I'm trying to help you find it. He wants us to know there's a narrow way. It leads to life. It leads to health and peace and joy and happiness. And they really are two ways to live your life. And they are choices that you make. And allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in you as a believer is vitally important to the health of your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, your neighbors and friends. Live in the life God calls. Oh, how I love Jesus. How do I love Jesus? By putting my roots down into His words in his command, delivered to us by the, by the apostles, the roots into the holy prophets, so that I'm feeding my soul the stuff that makes me flourish. You got it? The word has come, and scoffers will come. There are people who hear this message, and they say, <laughs> who's he think he is? The scoffers will come, Peter says. Now, I got to tell you, I got a bias against scoffers, okay? I don't like them much. They're pretty easy to identify. You can identify a scoffer. Usually, they're sitting down, all right? Everybody else may be at work. They may be working hard. They may be out there on the court trying to make those baskets. They may be running as hard as they can trying to win the race. And the scoffers usually sitting down. We learned that in, in, in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. I want to put that label on some chairs. Yeah. I guarantee you one thing about the scoffer. He does not have a great plan for your life. Or for his life. All right? Or her life. They major in putting down people who are trying to do something, who are working hard, who are exercising the discipline, who, who are saying yes to what is good and no to what is wrong. 
They major in making fun of people who are making an effort. And they've always been there. Noah started building that heart. And they said, what in the world are you doing? Abraham left to go to a place he'd never heard of. And they said, what are you doing? What a joke, Abraham. David said, God's going to give you to me, Goliath. And Goliath scoffed. He said, I'm going to feed you to the buzzards. Am I a dog? What is this? They've been scoffing all the way through history. And they're going to scoff at you. Get ready for the scoffer, man. Get ready at work and in school. You show up in college, there's going to be scoffers. And mark it down. Number one, about the scoffer. He hadn't got a great plan for your life. Because he hadn't got a great plan for his life. Number two, about the scoffer. They're scoffing and they're following their own evil desire. Okay? See, the scoffer is the guy who just gave up on saying no to any impulse in his life. He just feels like, you know, if I want to do it, I ought to do it. I just saw a Gallup poll that says 86% of the people in America believe that to be fulfilled in your life, you should follow your desires. And I can understand that sort of, except that that's not a Christian teaching, all right? That's not how followers of Jesus operate in the world. Now, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus, but if you sang the song, How I Love Jesus, part of loving Jesus is following him, all right? Did you sing that song, How I Love Jesus? Part of love, loving Jesus is following his command. What's he say? Hey, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. Deny yourself every day and follow me. It says no one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Did you sing how I love Jesus? How do you love Jesus on Monday? When you want so bad to strike back at somebody who struck you? How do you love Jesus on Tuesday? When that besetting sin gets a hold of you, how do you love him? Oh, how I love Jesus. Would you think of love as more motion than emotion? Would you think of love as more, as more action than noun? Would you think of love as the way you follow Christ on a daily basis, loving him? How can you say you love me and don't keep my commands, he said. So we're not talking to everybody in the world when we say following Jesus is the way we live our life. It's for those who confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior, as Peter confesses in this text. And if you confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior, then you don't get the titles without the life. All right? And if you try to take the titles and you're not willing to take the life, that's called lack of integrity. It doesn't fit together, see? You're making a confession on the one hand and living your life out on this side some other way. That's a lack of integrity. Integrity is when the various parts of your life, your 
mental life and your business life and your school life and your family life when they all fit together. And how do they fit together? They fit together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So he is the organizing principle and foundation of my life. And I am loving him today by organizing my world and filtering my thoughts and my words and my deeds based on his character, his person, and who he desires me to be. I am submitting to his lordship. I am seeking to be the person He's called me to be. I never do it perfectly. I always fail. But I get up every morning saying, Lord, let me be the person you've called me to be. Help me see this world the way you see it. Help me represent you well at work and in this school. And it's okay if the scoffers come. God, make me strong. Don't let me waver. The scoffers are in every age. And I guess as the end comes near, they get worse. So Peter says, in the last days, scoffers are going to come. And they've got something they're scoffing about. Where is this coming? He promised. Where is this coming? He promised. Jesus said he was coming again. Where's this promise? And that's the third truth I want you to get a hold of, okay? The word has come. The scoffers is coming. And Jesus will come. All right? We have the assurance that Jesus will come. Now, the coming of the Lord Jesus, the second coming of the Lord Jesus is vitally important to everybody in the room. We've got to live this. We've got to have it in our heart. It's, it's our great hope. It's our expectation of the future. It's how we get ready for tomorrow. Jesus is coming, all right? It's how I get ready for tomorrow. I've got hope in my heart because Jesus is coming. Jesus will come. It's not a secondary teaching of the Lord Jesus himself. He taught it. He told his disciples it was going to happen. His disciples picked up on it, and they said it too. This same Jesus, who you saw ascend into heaven, will come again as you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back again. You can count on it. Now, there's a lot of crazy stuff connected to the second coming of Jesus. All right? There's a lot of folks that have picked dates and all that stuff, and it's disappointing, sometimes disheartening, when we think about all the different folks that have said things that never came true, all right? But I tell you this, Jesus is coming. This is how I know. The scoffers say, ever since the beginning of creation, things are as they've always been. They talk about the beginning of creation. Peter comes back and he says, yes, it's by what? The word of God that the heavens were brought into being, and the earth was formed out of the water. It was by the word of God. That is a central teaching of the scriptures. You can put your roots down in it, okay? God made the world. God created the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a great place to start. Put your roots down there. How'd the world come into being? God created it. How did this world happen? God made it. Where'd God come from? He's always been. He's the only one who's always been. Everything else has appeared through the word of his power. God had in his heart and desire this universe before it was created. And he spoke it into being. Pastor Babcock 
lived a long time ago and he used to take walks. He lived in Lockport, New York in a place they called the Escarpment and they say it's very beautiful though I've never been there. And when he departed the house to take his walks he would tell them, I'm going to see my father's world. And he wrote a song in 1901. This is my father's world. And to my listening ear, all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand, the wonders wrought. You can rest in this, sister. What's got you all wrought up? You can rest in this. I rest me in the thought. What thought? This is my father's world. How do I know that? He made it all. He made it all. It did have a beginning, as the scientists say it did. This universe began in the purpose and will of God. Companion doctrine, okay? You confess, okay, I believe God made the world, all right? Can you confess that God will bring this world to its proper ending? Can you do that? If you confess that God made the world, are you willing to confess that God will culminate? the purposes and plans, human history, and indeed the workings of this universe, he's going to bring it all to its proper conclusion. See, the word of God preserves the heavens and the earth for the fire that is coming. It is the word of God that preserves it until the end. So there is a purposeful beginning of this universe and you in the counsel and the foreknowledge of God and there is a consummation and a completion when Jesus comes again. Human history and all of history is linear, not circular. We're not going round and round like termites in a yo-yo. You know, where are we going? We're just going round and round. What's it mean? Nothing. That's not the Christian view of the history of the universe, the nature of this universe. The Christian view is God created it all. This is my Father's world. And one day God's going to bring it to completion. Not a human being, not an accident. It is preserved by the Word of God. I wish you could get this. You could stop worrying about all the stuff going on in the world. You could stop being so overwrought and anxious, so stirred up about stuff. If you could get this, okay? This is my father's world. He started it out when he created it. He brings it to its conclusion. How? In Christ Jesus, who is not only the redeemer of the individual heart, your heart, who not only rescues you, but rescues a world that is in peril, that's been damaged by sin. He brings all things, including this universe, to their proper conclusion. So one day every knee bows and every tongue confesses Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He sits on the throne. He is the majestic one. He is the lamb who is worthy to receive the title deed to this universe. Because he spoke it into being. And he brought to this universe redemption. And he brings it to its conclusion. This is a great truth through which to see the current circumstances politically and in the conflicts in your world. 
This is my Father's world. I can get out on the beach and I can walk along that beach and I can say, this is my Father's world. No matter what the morning news said, no matter what's going on in Indonesia or Syria, this is my Father's world. And to my listening ear, all nature sings. And around me rings the music of the sphere. See, if you confess Jesus as Lord and you know this world belongs to God, when you listen, you can hear how nature is singing of his glory. And every little bird and flower proclaim that he is Lord. The majestic design of your eye and your hand. And you know there's a God who cares for you and understands all that there is. This is my Father's world. All nature sings. I rest me in the thought. You know what withers up the tree? The soil of fear and shame and anger and bitterness. The ugly soils of life, they wither up the tree. What makes the tree flourish is when it is planted in the sovereign purpose of a providential God who loves us and made us for himself and brings us unto himself in Jesus. The second coming of Jesus is not a bizarre doctrine. The second coming of Jesus is linked by the Apostle Peter in this very brief paragraph to the end of the world. You say, well, the second coming of Jesus isn't the end of the world. Well, how do you know that? When they say, where is his coming? Peter points to the end of all things. What you need to know about the second coming is this. It's God's wrapping up hour. When Jesus returns visibly and physically to this world, it is God's wrapping up hour. He's bringing things to their conclusion in Christ. It is the word of God preserving this world until God gets ready to shut her down. Until then, you know what you can do? You can rest in the thought that God is in charge and you are not nor any other human being and you can have peace in your heart despite the raging circumstances of life. And you can have peace in your heart despite the raging circumstances of your own personal situation. Somebody in this room is about to come apart because you're so full of fear and anxiety over what's going on in your life. And it's time to say, this is my father's world and I rest in that thought. I can't control the universe. I can't control my kids. I can't even control my own life. So I'm going to rest in the providence of God and know that he is the one who knows the end from the beginning. And I want the peace that passes understanding. I don't have to know what's going to happen tomorrow to have peace. I just need to know the God who holds tomorrow. I know who holds tomorrow. And I know I can trust him. I challenge you to sink your roots into the wisdom and love and providence of God and let him bring you the peace you long for.
Bow with me, please. As we bow our heads around this room, I know you've got fears and I know you are anxious about some things. And I want us all to bring our fears and anxieties to the Savior and lay them at his feet. Would you do that? Whatever troubles you the most, whatever stirs up your mind, the thing about which you are angry or bitter, whatever's captured your emotional focus, would you bring that to the Savior and lay it at his feet? Maybe it's a wound, a betrayal, a person who did you wrong, a circumstance or situation, a bereavement, a loss that you've experienced that you can't seem to get over. Whatever it is, would you bring it to the Savior and lay it at his feet? Would you lay it there? And with that movement of your heart, would you say, this is my Father's world. And I trust you, Father, to care for me. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my children and grandchildren. I entrust to you the life that I live in the expectation that you were the one who knows and understands. I trust your loving purpose for my life. I trust you, Father. Sister, brother, can you find that place of peace by entrusting your anxieties to the Father in heaven? Lord, today we come to you with all these burdens that creep over us and we know better often. But your spirit has a way of reminding us what we need to do. So we pray you'll help us do it now. We transfer the burdens upon our heart. We transfer them to you. And we ask that you grant us the peace to walk with our head up and our shoulders back, to enjoy this beautiful world that you've made, to see you in everything about us, and to know this is your world and the wonder of our own life and being, the wonder of relationships and family. Lord, let us celebrate it. Give us a new birth of gratitude for being in this world that you've made. Take away the bitterness, the ingratitude, the, the anger, the fear. God, put our roots down again in the solid soil of your love, your peace, and your providential care for us. In Jesus' name we pray.